0: Don't let campfire beans spoil the fun. Use Brokeback Mountain Cleanout for those times when roughage makes it rough. Available in single-use compostable containers, so it's good for your environment and ours. Hey, this is Paul Bright, and I'm here asking the question, is gay more than sex? So you may scoff at my question, is gay more than sex? But defining all the ways we're gay beyond swapping bodily fluids is… it's tricky. At the time that I made my first movies, you know, all the straights that I encountered assumed that I was shooting porn. Oh, a gay movie. Is filming porn legal? And I was in Texas, so it's more conservative than, say, California or New York. But because I was hungering for legitimacy, for you know, for acceptance in Austin, Texas and a community of independent filmmakers, you know, I got very defensive and shot down their assumptions uh, and was assuring them that my films had no nudity at all. And in fact, the first two movies had no nudity at all. Um, and yet I was releasing movies into the gay market, which it turns out really wanted nudity so the market shot down my early films because there was no nudity uh, at some point during making these early movies i tested this gay male market by setting up a booth at iml the uh, international male leather group of folks in chicago and it was like basically a leather fuck party, and there were thousands and thousands of testosterone-driven men there. It happens every Memorial Weekend in Chicago. Well, okay, it didn't happen this last year, but anyway, um, I'm there, and I've got my movies laid out, and I've got other movies from my distributor, Waterbearer Films, laid out there on the table. And I don't think I was sold a single one. You know, the only things that guys were looking for is they were looking for porn. So. Once in a while, I would get an email from someone who had seen one of my movies, and that person would thank me for not putting dick in my flick. But, you know, those emails were really rare. I wanted to get deeper into the gay market. I mean, I wanted to make more sales, and I started slipping little glimpses of peckers into my next couple of movies. But but these films still conformed to Netflix regulations. There was no hard cock. Netflix absolutely positively would not allow, and probably still doesn't allow, hard dick in any of their films. If it's soft, it's okay. And yet, you know, movie sales of DVDs still continue to decline. Well, during this time, you know, DVD sales were starting to drop off the cliff dramatically. At about this time, this was 2009-ish, 2008-2009, another filmmaker, Todd Varo, who was also handled by my distributor, Water Bear. Um, he was very, very prolific. He made many more feature films than I do, um, but he approached these drooping market returns with a totally different viewpoint, a very different angle. He started filming hardcore fucking movies. And they weren't porn, they were still his narrative feature films, but there were scenes in them in which we saw graphic, absolute graphic sex. And of course, these movies wouldn't be allowed on Netflix, but his movies were selling on other platforms. And he continues to build this audience of people who look for his movies that have this hard, gritty edge and that show everything. Well nowadays, now that we're in 2021, Netflix is high-flying adored and they don't need us indie filmmakers anymore. Amazon is getting rid of indie film titles as well. They're starting to cut us out. They've started to buy, they eliminated documentaries and short films with no notice whatsoever. This happened just a couple weeks ago and suddenly all those titles disappeared from Amazon Prime and the Amazon streaming site. So we know, we absolutely know that those of us who have indie films running on Amazon Prime are going to be axed next. You know, these boys, these A-Queens stopped inviting us to their party as soon as they started producing their own movies. It makes sense to them. They have total creative control over the the content that they're making. But it also means that, you know, it was because of our content that Netflix became so popular because there was such a wide variety of material that nobody could get access to anywhere else. And now here we are. I'm about to make another movie, and since I know that Netflix and Amazon are not going to be carrying a gay independent feature film not being released by a major studio anymore, I no longer need to conform to their codes. I was reading an article in Out Magazine last week. I gotta tell you, Out Magazine, by the way, I don't subscribe to Out Magazine or to Advocate, uh, but they come. And that's because I had a meeting in Westwood once and they were talking to me about making a feature film for them. This is back when they were making movies um, as part of their large media organization. And somehow they put me on their mailing list and they've just never dropped me off. So I've been getting these magazines and Out Magazine, admittedly, is not my uh, genre. These are pretty people. And and I know the magazine is changing somewhat. But generally, these have been pretty people. or These, these have been people who have been very, very popular people in Chelsea or in West Hollywood. And I've never fit into that pack. I'm, you know, once again, I'm not an A queen. You guys know that. Um, however, there was an article in Out Magazine, and it was written by Alexandra Chavez, And in this article, he was crying out for independent filmmakers to write realistic gay sex into our movies. You know, he wants to see scenes with gay people having sloppy sex and messy and and awkward scenes and, and, you know, maybe somebody isn't clean or things don't always work out so much. And apparently Alex saw Brokeback Mountain when he was still a youngster. And he was pointing out that with the Scene where um, they're having sex in the tent. Obviously, they've been eating beans and they weren't using any lube, so there was, and they hadn't cleaned out. So it would have been a really disgusting, messy experience. Not so much the experience that we saw on screen. So, back to the quandary that I face. You know, I'm filming another movie this summer after vaccination, and this movie is a campy, screwball, gay sex comedy. And I'm one of the people on screen who's going to be having sex. So, you know, I don't know how Alex Chavez feels about a mid fifties guy with a dad bod as a romantic lead. And, and the other lead is got, you know, he's in his forties and also a dad bod. But my quandary is how much dick do I show? Do I show hard cock? Hard cock plowing ass, blow jobs, rim jobs. You know, this is a feature film are you as the audience going to lose respect for me after you see my equipment in action? Or are you going to buy the movie and then screen share it on Newtumble? It's not a question of the movie having gratuitous sex, by the way. We're not just throwing in fucking to make it qualify for a R hard R rating. This is a sex comedy. You know, the story and the movie involves sexual relations. And so far, my co-star has agreed to go all the way on camera. So at what point do I draw the line between art and porn? And if I were to draw that line between art and porn, aren't I being repressively judgmental since we're all living our own porn movies, yeah, I think there's a lot more to being gay than just the sex that we have. And all along, you know, my movies have attempted to be showing the many different experiences that we have that are very unique to gay men that are not related to our sex life. It's related to our relationships and how we relate to people who are not gay and and our work and so forth and so on. And yet, you know, I still, after all these years, can't define a universal gay experience or even a universal feeling about what it is to be gay beyond the desire to intimately touch another man. Is what we think about, you know, that that moment when we're shooting our load, it, is that the only thing that we all have in common. I hope it's not, but, you know, I'm not sure what else we have as universal commonality. I was talking to Colton, my boyfriend, about this. He's 27 years younger. He has a very different perspective on the world than I do, completely and totally appropriate. I love talking to him about it. I'm learning a lot from him about the way that he sees the world. And he was telling me that he thinks that what gay men all have in common is that at some point early on, when we were figuring out that we are not straight, that we hated the fact that we were gay. So his thought is that we all have this underlying hatred of who we came to be. And then most of us who came out then became very staunchly, defensively gay. And yet I have met, I know men especially men born in the 90s who were completely and totally embraced by their family all the way along as far as what they've told me they didn't say that they didn't want to be gay they never had the experiences that i had of being beat up and vilified and all that stuff and so they didn't have at all the same feelings that i had of i really wish i wasn't gay initially so i'm not sure that we even have that as a commonality I don't know what the common thread is. So this goes back to my question, you know, is being gay more than about the sex lives that we have? We say this all the time that it is. We tell straights, we tell the breeders all the time that it's not about our sex life. It's not about what happens in our bedroom or kitchen or bathrooms or at the bathhouse. It's about who we are as people. And yes, I've read these reports and studies saying that gay men tend to be more intellectually intelligent, more socially intelligent in navigating uh, social situations. Uh, you know. And I know that I see the world so differently from all of my straight friends. And yet I still can't define what that is. Uh, I do play readings with a group of theater friends here in Portland. These are great, wonderful people. Wonderful people, truly great. I I fell into this group almost a year ago. I'm delighted that they invited me in. It's been helping to keep my sanity because I've done play readings at least once a week and sometimes two or three in a week. And um, these are plays that are roles that I probably would never even get to play on stage. And I certainly wouldn't be able to get to play three roles in a week. So these have been fantastic experiences. But this past week, we read the play Sorted Lives. And uh, of the cast of people who are reading this play, I was the only gay man. And I believe, but I'm not sure, but I believe that two of the other performers there were lesbian. Uh, One of the people who I think is lesbian was reading Ty. Ty is uh, the young adult who's telling this story kind of in retrospective to his therapist, if you've seen the movie. Um, and so Ty comes back at the end of the film, and or of the play, if you saw the play version. Comes back at the very end, and he uh, has some reconciliation with his family, especially with his mother, who then tells him, his mother tells Ty that she knew all along that he was gay woohoo, as in that makes everything fine. But anyway, so we're we're doing this, and the person reading the role of Ty, even though she may be lesbian, I'm not sure, but I so strongly felt that she had no idea what it's like to be a gay man, and especially no idea what it's like to have been a gay man in the 80s and 90s when Sorted Lives came out. And then the person playing brother boy um, is not gay, at least as far as I know, he's not gay. Pretty sure he's not. And it was difficult for me to watch him perform a role that I understood to be so incredibly painful, so painful, and to and this is a character of someone who likes to dress up in wigs and so forth, basically it's a drag queen in essence, and he's been sentenced into a loony bin um, to try to convince him to not be wearing women's clothing and to not be gay. They're trying to do conversion therapy on him. This play takes place in Texas. And so there's even a scene in the movie or in the play near the end where the therapist is, I mean, it's very campy, very, very campy. And the therapist is screaming, you know, the female therapist is screaming at Brother Boy, fuck me, I want you to fuck me, take me right now, right? And so we, we do this whole scene and the performers are playing this very seriously. They didn't recognize that this is gay camp. And afterward, they're talking about the play and some of them are talking about how, wow, it really opened their eyes. And then some of them expressed how troubling that scene was with the therapist wanting, you know, screaming at brother boy to fuck her. And none of them, none of them comprehended the concept that this is gay camp. This is complete and total satire on the bullshit world that we experience. That we experienced growing up in the 70s and 80s and in the 90s and that still exists today in so many ways in so many parts of this country and in many many other parts of the world and yet i didn't say a word i said absolutely nothing afterward not a peep because i don't know how to explain or to get people who have always been straight their entire life, and who see the world through a heterosexual eyes, how possibly I could get them to understand what the experience of being a young gay man is. So, is gay more than sex? I think it is. I just wish I could explain that. This is Paul Bright. Uh, You can catch my blog at paulbrightfilms.com or you can catch movies that I've made at paulbrightfilms.com. You've probably seen them. If you haven't, swing on by paulbrightfilms.com and I've got links to all the feature films out there and many short films and lots of tub talks, which are little comedy vignettes and all kinds of uh, fun and queer and gay male related content. Uh, Y'all take care of yourselves this week. We're starting to head into the spring. We're getting longer days. And it looks like maybe, possibly, COVID is starting to get under some control with the rollout of these vaccines. So maybe our lives will return somewhat this summer. It's been a long year. You guys take care of yourselves. And I look forward to talking to you next week.